partnered with Foria Wellness, which is a CBD brand that makes really beautiful self-care products, um, luxury type of things that can help relax you. Um, they make a really nice bath salt, um, a wonderful hand salve, really thick, nourishing hand salve. They make CBD lube. They make CBD suppositories that are one of the only things that I've found that help with my cramps and they help so fast. It's pretty incredible. Um, and now they also make su suppositories for, for butts. Um, there is a link for that uh, in the show notes. And when you shop through that link, we get a little kickback. So that helps us out and you get some nice stuff. I've also partnered with Lust Cinemas and all their related, uh, they have several different sort of production companies. I'm not sure if they're distinct production companies, but there's X Confessions, there's uh, Lust Cinemas, and then they have a soft core also. So if you like to watch sexy films um, that you know are ethically made and people are paid well. Um, I've intimacy coordinated on some of these sets and I can tell you it's really impressive how they, how they, run, how they run their shoots um, and they make really great content. Um, so I also have a 20% off link to that and the links in the show notes will automatically apply that discount. So that's another way to help the show out and get something for yourself. I have a few classes coming up to share with you. There's Boundaries and Consent for People Pleasers happening again. Um, that is uh, That starts October 5th. It's a five-week class. There is Authenticity in Social Media, which is a two-day that I'm co-teaching with Aphomia Hylomeskel. That is November 7th and 8th. That is a great fit for anyone um, trying to promote a business on social media and who wants to find their voice and some authentic branding and marketing. It's also great for artists who are looking to showcase your work. Um, writers, comedians, performers, musicians, visual artists, um, sex workers, anyone uh, who wants to communicate what you're doing uh, with an audience on social media, not lose yourself in the process, um, not burn out, uh, and really find authentic ways to do that. I'm doing uh, the Yes to No Spectrum for Practitioners, which was called Train the Trainer in the past, uh, a five-day intensive, November 6th through 10th. That's a really great fit for anyone who does one-on-one -on -one coaching or counseling therapists, um, sex workers, practitioners of all kinds, body workers, etc. Um, also, anyone who teaches groups, so if you're a life skills teacher, a sex educator, anything like that, um, it's going to be really in-depth around the estino spectrum, practice exercises to bring it into the body, um, frequently asked questions, uh, best practices for teaching, so on and so forth. That's a really great one. 
happening in November. And then we moved Grief with Brooke. This was announced in the last podcast episode, but in case you were on the newsletter or on Instagram, Grief with Brooke is now October, uh, November 8th. That's a four-week class, but we're going to skip the week of Thanksgiving. Um, that class will support with all the grief that comes up through the boundaries and consent learning journey, uh, loss of relationships, loss of um, past versions of yourself, uh, grief for how different your life could have been. Brooke creates a really beautiful space to navigate those feelings uh, and, and practice and create rituals for yourself to move through that. All of that is available through the links in the show notes, as well as my workbooks. I have boundaries and consent, the general one. I have one for people pleasers, um, an unblocked one for moving through creative blocks and boundaries and your business. And I also offer one-on-one coaching on boundaries in your business and figuring out what it is that you want to offer and how to market that. Um, I offer one-on-one coaching unblocked coaching for moving through creative blocks for artists of all kinds and I also offer consent lessons for cis men boundary coaching coaching sessions for everybody and I'm, I have space for a few more new clients um, all of that information is through my website consentwizardry.com ways to support the show and this work of course financially I really appreciate it um, through subscribing on Instagram or the Patreon uh, but also not financially really helpful to write a review rate the show share it with friends join the newsletter forward that to people in your life um tell your boss about consent wizardry about me i can come give um do workshops give talks things like that i'm also available to speak at colleges and universities There are ways to make a one-time or a sustaining donation on my website as well through the shop. And I have some cool hats that say share the load and I said no and there's some t-shirts and posters and things. Um, So those are other great ways to support the show. I also still very much need funding for my musical. Um, The GoFundMe link for that is in the show notes. Um, I have to finish recording the soundtrack, which is, uh, some of you may know, horribly expensive. Um, I have to go back to New York to do some more rehearsals, and I'm trying to go to Edinburgh for the Fringe Fest next year uh, doing a solo version of the show. So all of this costs, you know, so much money, so much money. It all costs money. Uh, So anything helps, really. I so appreciate anything you can give. All right, let's go. Welcome back. What's up, Mia? Um, (laughs) You know, uh, trying to stay off my phone, I guess. What's up? Smart. Smart. How How was your week, Risden? Mm, you know, other than uh, everything that's going on, I think my week personally was pretty uneventful. Just school, mm-hmm. you know, eclipse, laying in my bed and crying. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. late stage fall of capitalism and empires. What about Being you? Anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. Anything interesting happened to you this week? Yeah, I appear to have been canceled by the Israeli government via their Instagram. Oh. Mm-hmm. Just just you? Was any was anybody else involved 
in this? How did they know who you were? Yeah, it was um, it was me and uh, supermodel Gigi Hadid. <laughs> oh, right, our good friend Gigi Hadid, longtime listener yes. of this podcast, Miss Gigi Hadid. <laughs> Um, my BFF. <laughs> so just so just to be clear, Mia Schachter, Gigi Hadid, and the Israeli government slash yes. social media social media manager for the Israeli government. That's who we're talking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah, this trifecta has <laughs> been um, in the news this week. In fact, quite a bit. Um. Yeah. Okay, so I, what what happened? I've been what, referring what to this as the Mad Libs situation because you couldn't pull mm. these three things out of a hat. You know what I mean? So right. let's 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 start with what happens. Okay. So I made a post last week that said there's nothing Jewish about Israel's treatment of Palestinians. Or is that what I said? Something like that. There's nothing Jewish about I should look it up. Sure. <laughs> Listen, whatever right. you said, it was good enough for Gigi Hadid. So yeah, I don't even right, know. Right. I think oh, yeah, should, no, our okay. listeners should just, you found it. No, I found it. There's nothing Jewish about the Israeli government's treatment of Palestinians. Condemning the Israeli government is not anti-Semitic and supporting Palestinians is not supporting Hamas. Um, you know, this post, I think, was like, I didn't feel like, I wasn't comfortable not saying anything. Mm -hmm. but I also am not interested in having these conversations on social media. The mm -hmm. way that they play out on social media is not something that I want to engage with. That's why I don't have comments on, on my page. And so I posted that, which I felt was, um, and then behind it, I basically beg of you to like get your news elsewhere um, from trusted news sources. So in posting that, my thinking was like, you know, and you described it really well, that I was basically just like saying, you know, this is not the same as this. This is not the same as this. Like, don't conflate these things. Right. There's a lot of rhetoric around, like, if you have a problem with um, Israeli, like, governmental policy, that that makes you an anti-Semite. And I think to me, it was very clear right. that that's, you were saying that's not true. And that if you support Palestinians and their fight for liberation that you support Hamas and that mm -hmm. is also not true mm -hmm. um I mean for some people it is but it's not those are not the same thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then also really important to me as a Jew is like to distinguish between what the Israeli government is doing and anything that has anything to do with Judaism mm -hmm. you know the same way that like Hamas is not Islam like they're not representative of Islam um so that was, that was where I was coming from. Anyway, I went to sleep Friday. The post had a few thousand likes, which is like more than I normally get, but seemed normal given the circumstances. And then you turned off your phone in observance of Shabbat. Phone for Shabbat. Shabbat. <laughs> and when I went back to my phone on Sunday morning, it had like 60,000 likes. And I had almost 1,500 new followers um, I, uh, like, you know, now it has 85,000. 
So I went about my day just kind of thinking like, whoa, my post like this went really viral. You know, I would like refresh and I would have like three new followers. I would refresh and three new followers. I was like, what the fuck is happening? So then I got a call from my friend Minachi and she was like, hey, I don't know if you're aware of this. Maybe you are, but Gigi Hadid, supermodel, half Palestinian, 80 million followers. <laughs> Like arguably um, one of the most famous women in for sure world. in the world. Yeah. In the world. Mm -hmm. Um reshared your post. And then the Israeli government, their Instagram reshared it. It's unclear to me if she put it on her page or if she just reshared it to her stories. I don't know. Um, but if she shared it to her grid, she took it down. So they so they reshared it like via my account and then said something to her like have you been sleeping like what about the butchered babies blah blah, blah. and then they rewrote the post in my same like aesthetic in a way that was you know very incendiary very inflammatory and it looks like I mean I know we talked about this but it looks it's meant to look like a yes. second page of your post but it's not yes I think they were very clear in not making it seem that way. It, it, they put their own watermark on it. It's not a shareable post that they made. Like it's, you know, um, it's also antithetical to the original post. So it's not like anyone could confuse the two. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, this is all happening unbeknownst to me. And then uh, I start getting Google alerts from like Newsweek and The Independent and Rolling Stone and Daily Mail where I'm being quoted. And there's like a media firestorm around the Israeli government's what's being called like a severe overreaction to Gigi Hadid and what Rolling Stone is calling an extremely mild post my post being extremely mild I mean we talked about it, it was like this is sort of I think the word we used was like innocuous yeah right yeah you would think yeah right I mean at least like relative to what else is going on mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so anyway and they called it anti-semitic did they not they did they called it anti-semitic it feels clear to me that they didn't know I mean they I don't think they did any research yet that like I'm that I'm Jewish and I'm not just like you know like what's it called like uh Jewish by and, blood but I'm like a right. practicing observant Jew you're the the one of the most observant Jewish people I know yeah yeah so this was Monday later that day I my phone started glitching I had a brand new iPhone 15, which I got because my iPhone 14 was not working. This is relevant to the story, I promise. <laughs> um, so I, it started glitching. It started slowing down and it then started blurring and freezing and I couldn't get it open. I couldn't unlock it. Um, I did like a hard reset on it and was able to get in, but it was still going really slowly I was sending you DMs of like, what, golden retrievers? Cat videos, yeah. yeah. And they were upside down. They were coming in upside down. So you spoke to someone 
who confirmed that this is typical of um, what happens when people get the Israeli government spyware called Pegasus installed on their phone. So it's supposed to be untraceable, but I mean, it's, but this clearly was not. It's also like it could have been that plus other things, or it could have been because it was put on so hastily. It was like a beta version, but it's yeah, and and that specifically the Israeli government is like very invested in using um, cyber spy stuff for activists who may be um, opposed to their viewpoints, right? So seems like I'm trying not to say like definitively, but like it seems very likely that Israeli spyware was installed on my phone. Um, so at this point, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, are people following me? Is my dog safe? Like, are my pets safe? Am I going to go home and like find my windows cr- like, you know, bashed in? Like, can I leave my house? Should I not leave my house? Should I stay with my parents? Um, you know, you're telling me which security cameras to get. And I got super paranoid. I, I, I woke up the next morning and I was feeling a lot better. I guess I kind of landed on like, I don't think I'm actually in danger. Like how likely it is for a psycho lay person to like track me and find me and, you know, do something like I don't know how likely that is um but as far as like the Israeli government you know they're not going to come capture like a from U.S. ground you know uh an American Jew and like take me hostage yeah I mean two things it's like if you're gonna piss off some somebody this is probably the right group to piss off considering like your identities and like the the political theater that's happening it's like they're not they don't want to make a scene with you and also you're not somebody who really has a lot to hide like the first thing I asked you right was how do you feel about Mossad having your nudes (laughs) 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 and you're like what are you gonna do you know like it's not you're not running um some kind of you know drug cartel you know what I'm saying I don't know Right. I mean, I, I will say the girl that I'm seeing asked if that meant that they had her nudes. And I was like, yeah, actually like that, like, I don't care about my nudes, but like that really sucks. Um, so anyway, I ended up spending like half my workday yesterday at the Apple store. Long story short, they discovered that I should never have upgraded to this 15 because it meant that I was still going to be paying off the 14 while I was also paying off the 15. So only because the Israeli government installed spyware on my phone did I discover that I was paying for two phones at the same time. So I ended up having... God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I returned the 15. And so because I procrastinated on mailing in what was going to be my trade-in, this 14 that has not been working, but every time they run diagnostics on it, they can't find anything wrong with it, supposedly. Um, I was able to reinstate that phone. So I currently now have a phone that does not have spyware on it, but like hardly works, hardly (laughs) works. Might as well. Literally can barely send a text message. I'm not joking. Like it can't play music. It can't figure anything out. It gets stuck. Google Maps like can't reach the, you know, nothing look like it's just 
Wi-Fi or no Wi-Fi. This phone fucking sucks. But so now I'm back with this phone and had to spend hours upon hours dealing with people who like finally someone was able to help me get what's called an express replacement. So I'm now waiting on a new iPhone 14 to arrive in the mail. Um, at least I'm going to be getting a new phone that doesn't have spyware on it. But anyway, for now. You know, yeah. this for now. So, and, you know, us laughing, by the way, is like not to belittle the situation. And also Gigi Hadid had to change her phone number. She's getting death threats. Like her family is getting death threats. You know, I really do hope that she's safe and taking care of herself and like able to deal. Like this is, I mean, this is just, it's, it's really horrific. And I'm like weirdly caught in the crossfire, but I'm not getting the brunt of it. Mm -hmm. Like she really, you know, she really is. Yeah, I my laughter is just at the absurdity. Exactly. Yeah, I just yeah. keep being like, "What are you talking about? Like, yeah. what are you talking about?" I saw my therapist today, and so many times she was like, "What a weird sentence to say out loud!" Like both things she was saying and things I was saying. Yeah, and it it just like I said to you, I was like, "So birthright? Like you went? Yeah. You said you went on birthright." I did. <laughs> are planning on having children like am I welcome in Israel like I'm a practicing Jew like what the yeah like am I going to be stopped at the airport I mean I you know yeah weird weird times yeah so that's what's been going on with me this week <laughs> my favorite part of the story too is when Apple told you to go drop your phone in a fountain oh they literally <laughs> I was at the Americana and I'm not going to name names. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But I literally was getting like whispers from people being like, listen, we can't, so we can't replace your phone because our diagnostic, not good diagnostics are saying that there's nothing wrong with it. But problems that you can get a replacement for are water damage, wink, wink, and a smashed phone, wink, wink. So they're like, there's a fountain right outside. You're like, I just told you there's spyware on my phone. They, the Israeli government well, hears what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did they, did they think you were crazy or did you just not well, tell that them? Was, so no, that was like an interesting thing that kept happening where I was like, who do I need to tell and who do I not, not need to tell? And like, are they going to, is it going to discredit everything I say? If mm -hmm. I, you know, like, like you said, we should wear tinfoil hats today. Oh, I forgot. I forgot about I my tinfoil hat. I'm actually, this is reminding me that I ran out of tinfoil. I need to buy some more tinfoil. But, but yeah, like I could, I might as well walk into the Apple store with a tinfoil hat and be mm -hmm. like, there's spyware on my phone. Can you replace it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I, so I ended up because people kept being like, so what's wrong? Like, can you tell me what you're, you know, why are you returning the phone? And I would be like, well, it's doing this and it's doing this and it's doing this. And they're like, when did it start? And they just keep asking me these questions. And then finally I kept like running up against a wall where I was like, listen, this is like actually very serious. I have like very, very serious reason to believe because of what I do for work that there is spyware on my phone right now from the Israeli government. <laughs> and I'm just like watching these people be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. You know, and they're just like taking me at face value. There's, I mean, probably the things they hear, that's like not even the craziest. I can imagine. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, like I accidentally put my phone in the microwave. Can you replace it? 
yeah, I don't know like what, what people are coming in there with, but you know, everyone was very nice to me. And, and I don't think I was also worried to end up getting into like some weird argument about genocide and war and, you know, Israel and Palestine. And I was afraid a little bit also to like perceive some anti-Semitism. Like, I just was kind of like, Oh my God, like what, what am I risking by telling the full story here? Mm-hmm. Also, they're going to like refurbish this phone and send it out again. And, and it could, well, so you told me to reset it in DFU mode. And then I was told that DFU mode doesn't really exist anymore, that it's like mm. an old, um, like it sort of stopped with, I think the iPhone 11s. Oh. And so when you do like a hard restore, like a, like for back to factory settings that it should theoretically erase everything. And then even like with the new security features on iPhones, even if there was malware or spyware in an iCloud cloud backup, the phone will detect it and not put it back on your phone. Theoretically. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if they're detecting. I mean, I that's know. like such high level. Do you know what I mean? Like if I was designing spyware, I'd be like, well, let's make sure it can't, it gets past this. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that stuff works. I also Boy. like be in trying to put my phone in DFU mode. I plugged it into my computer. Now my computer's acting funny, <laughs> but I, but I also, I also had to, in order to get it into DFU mode, had to um, update the computer to the latest iOS and my computer's already like almost three years old. So I just wonder if it's kind of like running on too new, you know, like if the computer, it's I, who knows. I feel like there's this thing that's happening in this conversation too, is it's like, there's sort of a, a conflict of like, there's a part of me that's just like surveillance. What are you going to do? And yeah. there's another part of me that's like, oh, this feels really scary and unsafe, but also, but I, I think there's a part of me that's just sort of like, I, there's not a lot I can do about that. Like when I'm in New Orleans, for example, they have all these cameras, like police cameras that are all over the city and people are constantly like vandalizing and destroying them because Mm. it's so fucking against our rights. You know what I mean? Um, But at the same time, there's also this sort of like, uh, it's not complicity, but just sort of like resignation about it. It's like, I don't know, just that it's that we are kind of living in a time where there is so much um, surveillance that, I don't know. Yeah. Resignation. Yeah. That was something that I was thinking about a lot over the last couple of days. And also like, you know, my own, I mean, I feel like what's, what's relevant to this audience, right. And like what we talk about on this show is a couple of things. One is like the boundaries that I have in place that have like really protected me from Mm -hmm. vitriol and hatred and anti-Semitism. And those boundaries are in place on social media, both like technologically speaking, and then like my own personal boundaries um, technologically speaking, I mean, by that, I mean like settings that I have on so that I don't, you know, I have to own have comments on, I don't accept DMS from people who don't follow me. And the result of that, th- those all come from previous experiences that I've had that pale in comparison to what's going on right now. But I'm so grateful now for the fact that those things happened and led me to the boundaries that I currently have so that I have not received a- what I guarantee has come at me, which mm-hmm. are like death threats and very serious anti-Semitism mm-hmm. um, and not just anti-Semitism, but like um, accusations of, you know, self-loathing Jew coming from Israeli Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something that I was thinking of. And then also like the consent aspect of surveillance too, I think is like very relevant here. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't consent to the level of surveillance that we deal with all the time. And yeah. it can be used. I mean, it's like completely illegal. The majority of it, what happened to you is illegal. Um, you know, I, and yet this stuff can be like used in a court of law can be, you know what I mean? Right. Like it's, I don't know. I it's, but, but what, what can I do about it? Do you know what I mean? No, I exactly. I mean, there, the, you know, the, the sense that I have of violation with mm-hmm. this is, is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. The, the paranoia that I felt, you know, I'm fortunately not really experiencing it so much anymore. I think I would, if I were seeing the DMs that I know are coming mm-hmm, my way mm-hmm. that are just blocked out. Like I don't even get requests for mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. There's a setting for that. Um, but yeah, the, like the initial paranoia of like, you know, I was, I just like went outside to kind of shake it out and stand in the sun for a moment after I heard on Monday and I was like watching cars pass my apartment, sort of hyper aware of like, are they slowing down? Are their windows up? Like, are they looking at me, you know, like sitting, eating food that night after I left your house, you know, like, um, wondering if my car was going to be okay when I got back out there, wondering if my apartment was going to be okay when I got home. Like that's a, that is a really, really scary state of mind and a lot of hypervigilance that, you know, it's like, that's a lot for anyone's body to sort of tolerate. Yeah. And I think, you know, be it's, it's interesting too, because like your level of anonymity went from one level to another, like you're not like the, the difference between you and Gigi Hadid is like, I would imagine she has a security team and she has surveillance and she has a certain type of living situation where people can't enter her home. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As opposed to like, we live on streets with other residents and like, yeah, I mean, and my door lock is like, just like a doorknob lock and like mm-hmm. a, like a, what is that called? Just a padlock. Is that the one that turns? So it's the one. Yeah. So there's the one on the knob and then there's the additional one. Yeah. Yeah. We need to like get you. That's, I have an alarm system. Mm-hmm. We need to get you set up with some, some good hoe tricks, like the, the little like thing you put in the hotel door so nobody can open it from the outside, like things like that. So I, I have an interesting relationship with this because I, I, and when I work with my clients who've been canceled, who do get death threats, who do get like, you know, threats of violence, things like that. They're always, there's always, especially because a lot of them, um, are male presenting or, um, or they're, they're cis men. Like there's a lot of like, am I even entitled to, um, have these security measures. I feel like I'm being, I feel like I'm being dramatic. I feel like I'm being paranoid. And as you know, I have a security camera at my house. Um, and as I said to you, like, do I need one? I don't know, maybe not, but it makes me feel safer to have it. And I think it, whether we're dealing with reality or just tending to our feelings of, of needing to feel safe is actually like, that's all that really fucking matters. I'm not saying someone is going to break in, or whatever, but it just makes me feel safer to have that, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I live on the ground floor and so it's easy to see into my apartment. I have like frosted film on the, on some of the windows. Um, and I have this alarm system, but 
you know, historically it's been like, because I'm concerned that someone's going to see my guitar on the wall and try to steal my music equipment. It's like, like a theft not, issue. Yeah. yeah. It's like, not because I'm afraid that they are like coming for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, mine was mainly because I had one surrogate partner client that I couldn't, the therapist who was on the case with me was not skilled enough to ascertain what was wrong with this person. And I am not a therapist and couldn't really discern either. So I took it to a couple of other therapists who were like, it sounds like this person has an empathy deficiency, like a cluster B situation. The exact words from two different therapists were baby psychopath. And so the relationship terminated and I just was like, this person knows where I live. Like I just, I was like, I, that's when I got the camera. Cause I was just like, I, I have like a, the thing so I can look at it on my, my phone will ping and let me know if somebody has come to my door and I can just look at it from my phone. And it just makes me feel safer. Also, sometimes you've been to my house, there's like possums and squirrels and stuff. And I hear noises in the night and I can just turn it on and be like, Oh, it's that possum. Yeah. So that's that doorbell with the camera on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll get one of those. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain, cause you said that you were a surrogate partner therapist at the beginning, like in our first episode, but I don't think you ever explained what that is. Yeah, sure. So surrogate partner therapist or, um, surrogate partner, intimate partner, surrogate. These are all words that, um, basically we are trained to work with therapists and their clients in a relational therapeutic triad. Um, so often my clients will present with, um, sexual relationship issues. So like historically this work was invented by masters and Johnson in like the fifties or sixties or something. Um, so historically it was a lot of like dysfunction, like vaginismus, erectile dysfunction, rapid ejaculation. Um, and a lot of, uh, they call them midlife virgins, like just people who haven't had a lot of sexual experience. Sometimes that's because of trauma. Sometimes it's just access stuff. Um, but so I work with the client one-on-one in the touch space, and then the therapist and I will, will meet to discuss the client's growth and what, what we need to work on. And then the client will continue having ongoing therapist, uh, therapy sessions with their therapist. So that's what it looks like. Yeah. And it's, um, it is sex work in my opinion, although many people in the field would disagree with me and it is legally protected. Kamala Harris specifically came out and said before she became vice president that it's between consenting adults and it's, if it's clinically indicated, y'all good to go. Yeah. Didn't think I would share for Kamala. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know, it's like, there's that. And then there's so much else that's not so great. Um, but whatever cocktail she, I I want the number for her shrink. I'm like, damn Mm. that whatever cocktail she's on is looking delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. She's like a cop, but she's like, yeah, that that's fine with me. Yeah. I don't, I guess. Cause it's, again, it's, it's, um, similar to, I like it a lot to, um, you know, what's happening right now with psychedelic medicine or what the way that, uh, marijuana was previously treated in California, where it was like, if you had a doctor's prescription, you could obtain it. And now it's recreational is fine. Yeah. But so it's in the same way sex work, if it's, if it's used in this clinical, like, right. um, whatever treatment thing with the supervision of a therapist who's licensed by the state, then it's 
good to go. But if it's for recreational use, it's not, which is sort of interesting. Um, yeah. And can lead right. to a lot of, you know, um, horrorarchy as they call it, like the hierarchy mm-hmm. of horrorism. Yeah. We don't want I loved that. that video you shared where the woman was like leaning into the car and she's like, how'd you get, how much is this car? And she's like, I paid 36 for it. And she's like, how'd you get that money? And she's like, I'm a hooker. I'm a hooker. It's my favorite thing about my uh, English friends who are (laughs) sex workers. They very openly are like, I'm a prostitute or like I'm a hooker. And I just, I love it. Like, I don't know. It's like cheeky. I don't know if if that's part of the political environment over there as well, Mm -hmm. that it's, they're like, I don't think it's Nordic. I think it's um, single way criminalized, like Canadian, I think in England. I'm not entirely certain, but so you're, you're allowed to. I think it's the buyer is gets in trouble, but the seller hmm. doesn't. It's something like that, that which is also what they've impl- implemented in Maine now is it's, I forget what the term is for it. It's not Nordic. Maybe it is regardless. So it's criminal to be a John and to purchase sex, but it's not criminal to sell sex. That's so interesting. Fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, you know, like drugs are the opposite, right? Like it's right. legal to, buy but not to sell I think yeah in certain areas right it's like possession and yeah I it's it's very odd um the government of the United States has a really hard time listening to and implementing the the lived experience of people who work in Mm -hmm. the sex economy um and using that information to enact policy they don't want to do it they really don't want to do it and it's wild I mean just the way that like you know the same people accusing the left of like fascism and too big of government seems like those same people seem to be totally cool with like impeding on the rights of bodily autonomy like all over the place you know whether it's abortion or drugs or sex work um or stem cell research you know it's like they want to control what people can do with their bodies but they're the ones complaining about like government overreach I don't know I don't I just don't understand it I don't know yeah there's cognitive dissonance or something there too it is interesting too to me that people can be um so pro like use the constitution as such a um as the reason that they have a right to own a gun right but but i'm like people were having abortions when in the 1700s like the the dudes who wrote the doc could have very easily been like but not for you people you know what i mean and they didn't so why are we do you know what i'm saying it's like why are some things amendable and some aren't like yeah, totally. I mean, also, like when they were writing those laws about the right to bear arms or the amendments about the right to bear arms, it was like specifically because of like the military presence from England that was like breaking into their homes, you know, and yeah. like killing people. It was not meant. And then also like just weapons were different then, you know, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. they were not thinking like, you know what we want our progeny to be able to do is have like an entire room full of artillery and machine, like machine guns and uh, the ability to like 3D print 
guns out of plastic. Yeah. It's interesting how they had in mind. No, for sure. And, and my opinion about guns has changed so dramatically mm-hmm. as a result in part of being radicalized. And also I think of living in the deep South, like I very much like, you know, grew up in Northern Massachusetts was very like diehard Democrat liberal, like, you know, I, I thought guns were like horrific. I was like, why would anybody own one? And now I'm like, like when you came to my house, mm-hmm. I was looking for a weapon for you. And I was like, yeah. all I have is this, this, and this. Like, why can't I give you a gun? Like this yeah, like is... a taser and mace. Yeah. And my big mag light. Like, yeah. I'm like, this is stupid. Like I, why do I not? I'm a, you know, like there's just a lot of reasons that I'm like, yeah. but I'm also a hooker. And this, yeah, no, I know, mean, I think that's a different <laughs> thing. I just, yeah. 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 I don't know. No, I mean, I've appreciated your take on that where you're even like when you talk about it online, you're like, if this is not your experience, like, I don't need your opinion. Mm. And I feel like that's like, you know, I just reposted that meme that was like, stop sharing your opinion online. And unless you're a beautiful woman, in which case, what do you think, baby? I mean, I was like, yeah, if everyone would just stop sharing their opinion online, I don't know, you know, unless you're Gigi Hadid. Yes. I only want to hear from Gigi Hadid. Right. Exactly. Because clearly she chooses great people to, um, to spotlight and do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, as I'm saying this, I'm like, well, I can't stop sharing my opinion online. That's (laughs) literally what I do for work. But it's like, I was, I was working on writing something today that was like, are you spending as much time like educating yourself about what's going on in the history of it, calling for like reps for a ceasefire, you know, are you, are you spending as much time like trying to do something as you are like arguing with strangers in the comments and DMs on Instagram? Cause if not, then I think you need to seriously look at your priorities. Yeah. It's been interesting too, to see, um, you know, uh, some people in my life wanting to engage in arguments with me about things that I haven't said. Um, yeah. because, and I, I literally, I told you this story, but I have a friend who, um, she, her grand grandparents, great grandparents came here. She's Russian Jewish. And, um, and she, yeah, was very upset with things that I actually didn't say in the DMS. And I, and I said to her, I was like, I understand that this feels like a safe place for Mm -hmm. you to say these things because you know that I love you, but I actually have never said the H word. I've not said Hamas in this entire, never said it like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and it it goes back to a thing we've talked about a lot, which is like some people, I think, I don't, I don't know that it's some people like we're putting people in different groups, but maybe part of the process of of getting to a place where you're available for repair, restoration, whatever that looks like, like what has changed is before that there's just, you need to have your anger witnessed. You know what I mean? Like you need to have a place to be upset. Um, And I feel like that's a lot of, it's, it's not actually moving the needle forward, but it does feel like a thing in us as humans that, you know, we need to express our, our outrage and our upset. Totally. Um, Totally. I mean, I think, you know, I also have the perspective that I have because I run the account that I run. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how I would feel if I were 
only working with like a personal account, you know, I wouldn't have had the experiences that I've had that have led me to protect myself the way that I have. Um, here's, here's the one thing that I will say oh. in terms of like my opinion here. Oh, are are you, <laughs> I was like, oh, are you, I remember somebody DM'd you and you're like, I'm not a woman. So, was, but I was like, are you going to oh, be yeah, a hot, no, are you going to be a hot, funny. you're going to be a hot woman right now? Just so you could say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> According to my own meme, the meme mm-hmm, that I reshared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, this is our podcast and you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for people to like know where I stand. I think I don't, I'm, I'm not open to like online discourse. That mm. is not of interest to me. Um, I don't find it productive. I don't find it healing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's saving lives. Mm-hmm. So these are not conversations that I'm interested in having online. I'm interested in having these conversations with people who I know and who know me, where there's a relationship. And so long as I think we're prioritizing our connection, mm-hmm. then I am happy to have conversations where I disagree with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. But this is our podcast and we don't have a peanut gallery. So, you know, someone could leave us a bad review and that's fine. I'm going to check that is. If you're going to leave us a bad review, can you do it in all caps just for the drama? Yes, please. Uh, with like lots of emojis. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. And I also love like excessive punctuation. Just so many exclamation points. Yeah. And like question marks and. Um, what were you thinking? Exclamation yeah, point, yeah, question yeah. marks. Yeah. 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 yeah, go for it. Yeah, get it. Um, also, we, yeah, you know, because that's it's good for the uh, engagement. So yeah, leave us some nasty little comments. Riz, I'm going to give you like an acting note right now. Are you ready? Oh no, yeah. Stop moving. Um, Just be aware of like, as you move in and away from the, you wanna, unless you want to whisper to me, you want to whisper something in my ear? I I hate that how much this looks like a penis. It's bothering <laughs> me so much. That... If you want to do some like real good ASMR, you can bring it oh wow what's the what's the thing when people have uh back up Riz uh medicine be where you yes. want it, like in one place what is the thing it's it's not mesothelioma <laughs> what's the <laughs> what's the thing when people can't handle like mouth noises do you know what I'm talking about oh yeah I don't know what that's called I'm googling but it's like it. the opposite of ASMR yeah. I recently discovered that I love ASMR oh you do yeah like it like turns me on like my oh. my junk reacts to it oh my goodness I didn't um, know okay, that wait. it was I, yeah no I wanted to tell you my here's my like oh, you said yeah. cognitive dissonance so mm-hmm. I just want to here's my cognitive dissonance <sighs> okay growing up and learning about Judaism and what it meant for me and my ancestors and my grandfather my mom's father fought in World War II and he liberated Dhaka on the ground The lesson was Jews fight oppression in all forms of any people. We stand up when we see injustice. This is like our like divine obligation. And when it comes to the Holocaust and also um, like slavery in Egypt, we never forget. And that's not just about us. That's like when we see it happen to other people, we are required to stand up and end it. So what's going on right now, I see this and I'm like, this is antithetical to the Judaism that I was raised on. Mm. The, the way that what's going on is the result of 
nationalism, not mm. Judaism. It's nationalism. And nationalism, here's like another form of cognitive dissonance. Nationalism is what drove Hitler and the Nazis to exterminate 6 million Jews, gay people, communists, disabled people, and other people. Nationalism is the enemy. I think it's not part of Judaism at all. Jews are known and historically have entirely been a nomadic people. So we don't have nationalism. The fact that Israeli nationalism is getting conflated with Judaism and resulting in the genocide, like the attempted obliteration of an entire people, and that Jews do not see the hypocrisy there is astonishing to me. I do not understand how they can hold both and think that they're both right. It reminds me of, I have a, a friend who's taking a class. I will not say what school it is. There are only so many universities in Southern California. Um, he's taking a class uh, on the history of genocide and the teacher who's teaching it is an expert in the history of genocide and refuses to acknowledge what's happening as genocide um, Whoa. Be because he is a Zionist. And Whoa. I just, I'm like, listen, I, I can't, I can't rap. I'm like, you literally, like you have the 10 tenets of genocide on the wall. Like, let's just go yeah. through them. Yeah. We're at eight out of 10 right now. Like I don't, and I can understand you. I could understand maybe you making an argument in something else, but to say that it's not, is just, I, I don't know how you can deceive yourself in that way. I mean, I can, I can see an argument, mm. but I disagree with the argument. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think one of the arguments would be, and this is just, you know, my philosophy background, like I'm not arguing what I agree with, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to understand how someone could get there. And the way that I could see someone getting there is that if they're really clinging to the argument that this is self-defense, then, then they believe that the underlying goal here is not to exterminate a people based on their race, which is how I understand what genocide is. Yeah. And I, it makes me think again, as, as you said about, um, Germany in, you know, the thirties, early thirties, where it was really about an, an economic, um, the economic failing and like the collapse of the, of the state, the German state. And it was like, how do we get back to who we once were? We have to all model ourselves after this one ideal type of person. And what that looks like is eugenics. Right. And so it wasn't right. even overtly about genocide initially. It was about the economics and the culture make make Germany great again. You know what right, I mean? Right, and right. then all this stuff came as a result of that. But it's but it's still fucking genocide. Yes. Right. I mean, I think, you know, this is this is part of why I don't want to have these conversations online <laughs> and why I don't want to have these conversations with people who I don't know and who don't know me, because we're all getting our media from different places. We have different upbringings. We use language differently. So we often end up have, like talking past each other and having these screaming fights mm. because you're using this word differently from how I'm using it. You know, you're using um, like someone saying call for a ceasefire and then someone else says, no, it's, it's genocide. You have to say end genocide. And then someone is like, oh, okay. And then they change to that. Or, or someone says, 
you know, like it's not a war, it's a genocide. And it's like, okay, I'm using it to refer to battle that's happening, right? Like, so if then when we start to get, and then people unfollow each other, and I've been describing that as like, they're actively pruning their echo chambers as we speak, creating more insular communities with, you know, more increasingly dogmatic ideologies by unfollowing people who disagree with them. And so often these disagreements are because you read this article and that person read that article. You saw this post from this person and you saw this TikTok person walking, recording themselves in a park or like venting in their car. And so now you believe this. Like even when I when I was reading about like, um, you know, some people say that like Israel created Hamas. And it's like, there's actually, there's so many different interpretations of what it means when someone says Israel created Hamas. Like when I was looking into this and reading about it, it's like, there's people who are saying that. And what they mean by that is that um, like Hamas was like a byproduct of Israel's treatment of Palestinians. Other people are saying that Israel actually funded Hamas. Other people are saying other things. So then you see that online and you don't know what that person is saying. And so then you're arguing based on like the last thing that you heard about. A lot of, um, yeah, semantics and shadow boxing. And, and I think we're all so, this is not, you know, this is not children's birthday party color decor. This is big deal shit. And I think we're all pretty fucking activated. Um, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's it's hard because it's I, I think also like as somebody who doesn't have ancestral ties to the region, it's it's like I want to hold space for my friends who are who I very much disagree with their beliefs. Um, but I feel like I'm not even entitled to disagree with their beliefs, you know, people who are more pro-Zionist. And I want to honor their upset. Um yeah. because it's not just about this conflict, right? It is about the the historic like human history long um persecution of the jewish people right and it's a hard thing to be like i you're you're yelling at me but you're not really yelling at me like i'm sort of a what is the thing like a scarecrow or like a straw man mm -hmm. for just how upset you are and i want to honor you by like honoring that but also like please don't say things i that i have said things that i haven't said you know it's it's challenging yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, you know that I find myself as that straw man for so many people about so many things. Um, you know, whether I'm like representing all the trauma that someone experienced at the hands of like white academia, mm -hmm. or I'm representing like people who have historically told you that you're lazy and you should get a job, or I'm representing people who have historically told you that, you know, whatever, whatever it is, like I get those things projected on me a lot. And I think I've been learning to hold my own boundaries so that I'm not just like the projection screen or the, you know, the dumping ground for yeah, all the, the shadow theater, right? It's just, the, yeah. it's, and I think, I mean, this is so speaks to just human relationship in general, where it's like, I feel like a lot of times in conflict, I'm like, this is not about me. You know, like yeah. the whole basis of attachment theory is, is this thing where it's like, we have these primary caregivers and then we go out and I love the term primary caregiver because unless we're practicing RA like relationship anarchy, we're looking for one or a few people to really like 
um, take care of our primary needs, to care for us when we're sick, to be sexual with, to be romantic with, to form like intimate bonds and um, nesting needs with. And, and we end up projecting a lot of what we did or didn't get in, in our early parental relationships. And so it, it, we end up having these fights with people that actually, I don't know, the, since I, in my thirties, I'm just constantly like, you are fighting with somebody who isn't even here. A lot of times in yes. the conflicts I have, you know? Yeah. I mean, I experienced that a lot through my, through my work as well. Um, you know, I think I experienced it probably to some degree in the the friend breakup that I recently mm-hmm. went through. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say as a, uh, as a whore, it's great. Like I, it's to be a little bit, uh, projectable, which is part of why I have no tattoos. And mm-hmm. blonde. Yes, the most, yes, yes. The most, it's an I, asset. I, yeah. My, my friend who is a stripper with me, she, she calls it uh generically attractive and it's, right. you know, very much something that I, I think I cultivate because it allows for a level of projection that serves me, but in the actual relationships where I want to be fully seen, fully held, fully yeah. known, it's much more challenging. Right. Right. And then there's the question of like, who is it for, but you've also found a way to be, <laughs> to be generically attractive in an incredibly authentic way to you. Yeah, I think like there's a version of it that when I'm showing up to a day use hotel booking, you know, cable knit sweater, leggings, sneakers um, is different than the way I show up at Civil with you in like a gingham dress and platform sandals. And do you know what yeah. I mean? That's more high, like kind of, I call it femme camp. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know, like if you did different work, like would maybe you'd have a few tattoos or like you wouldn't dye your hair so much, or you've said you would cut your hair short. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, it's really hard for me to know, like what is at this point, what is cultivated and what is authentic. It's cause I don't know that I would just, if somebody was like, here's everything you could ever want, do whatever you want with your appearance. I don't know that I would change anything Do you know, mm-hmm. even though, but perhaps I've grown to like it or I found yeah. the likable version. I don't know. It's weird when, yeah. when part of your job is your appearance, it's definitely odd. I think your relationship right. with your appearance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting conversation maybe for next time. Yeah. Our relationships to that. Hmm. Well, I have to get ready for a cute date. Someone's, <gasps> ma- someone's making me steak. I'm like, it was my favorite food. I do. I'm like, okay, can you give me a hint as to which one it is? Is it, is it, um, is it the one that Mossad has pictures of their butt? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I leaned oh, but in I was going to say, no, I love that. I, I, I was also going to say, I was wondering if you know of anyone studying attachment theory within like polyamorous and like more than two people relationships raising a baby. Ooh, um, I'm sure there are, I don't know if there's like studies, like research yeah. about that. I'm sure there's case studies about it. Um, right. And definitely, I would think even older ones like from the 70s when there was like a lot of movement around that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah have you yeah that would be really interesting for you yes I told you about the the book um what was it abolish the family and full surrogacy now they're very much about this this sort of concept of like children belong to all of us not just Mm -hmm. instead of like paternal ownership it's really interesting yeah yeah well I'm sort of counting on it because I'm probably gonna have a baby by myself so Mm -hmm. I'm counting on friends and community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm 
I'm really interested in that way of family raising because I think mm -hmm. it's I think it's probably healthier for the kid and us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, go enjoy All your right. date. Thanks. I love you. Bye. I love you too. Bye.